Last week, we began a series on uh, people in your life. And I want to talk about and continue that series this morning. You know, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, about verse 9 and going through verse 12, tells us the importance of people. Nobody goes it alone. We all have need of other people. And, well, the Bible says it this way, two are better than one. And for a number of reasons, and he outlines some of those reasons in Ecclesiastes 4, beginning in verse 9, uh, if one falls, the other can lift him up. If one is cold, the other can give warmth. If one uh, is overtaken by an adversary, two can withstand the one who would uh, overpower them. And so, you know, he gives us some, some good reasons why, you know, we need friends. We need people in our lives. And probably we have all lived long enough to realize the value of a good friend of people that that have helped to make us who we are today. And I want us to look at some Bible characters that I think we need to have in our life. Now, obviously, these folks aren't here, but there are people who are like them. Last week, we started out with Barnabas. Who's your Barnabas? This morning, I want to talk about another person, and that's Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is someone that we need in our life. Who's your Zacchaeus? Now, what I'm talking about when I say Zacchaeus, I'm talking about a reject. I'm talking about an outcast, a social outcast, someone that really nobody likes and nobody wants to be around, somebody that people run from rather than to. That's who I'm talking about. Who is your Zacchaeus? Now, maybe we're saying, I don't want people like that in my life. You know, that's not the kind of person I want in my life. I don't want rejects in my life. I want people in my life that can benefit me. Well, folks, those people who are unlovable and on the fringe of society, they're the very people who can add characteristics and qualities to your life that will make you a better person. In Luke chapter 19, we read about Zacchaeus. He was a tax collector. Zacchaeus was working for the Roman government. He was a tax collector for an opposing force, an occupying nation. The children of Israel and and these, these people, they had lost their independence and their subjects to this foreign government. And the taxes that they gave weren't to benefit themselves, but often were... Uh, to to pad the pockets of those ruling in Rome. People didn't like tax collectors. In fact, as you read in Scripture, so many of them were corrupt and dishonest to begin with. They're usually paired in the phrase tax collectors and sinners. It's not the kind of name you want to have or the occupation to be categorized right along with sinners, but that's the nature of this work, and that's where we find Zacchaeus. He was an outcast, a social outcast. Well, what can we learn by having an outcast in our life? What can we learn by incorporating someone into the circle of our friendship and our influence, somebody who is just a little bit different, somebody that people don't have much time for, don't want to spend time with, Somebody that people don't run to, to to learn and to get to know, but they really run from these people. Who's your Zacchaeus? 
Well, let's talk about some things that maybe will help us to understand why we need a Zacchaeus in our life. Number one, a Zacchaeus will help us to look past the superficial. You know, a number of years ago, there was a group that sang a song that was entitled, What's Your Tag Say? And in this song, it goes through all the different Izod, Reebok, you know, L.A. gear. It just, every, every kind of tag you can imagine, brand of clothing, is mentioned in this song. And then the question keeps being asked, what's your tag say? And the idea is, do we really, do we judge people by their tag? You know, can we get beyond that? Or do you think that there are people who just are that superficial? Part of the song, I just wrote down a a quote from it. It says, this thing's not a problem. The Bible calls it sin. Really? Is it a sin to to be that superficial? Or might we just not want to admit that? You know, is is it just one of those uh, character flaws, a little shallow, but really sin? Well, we'll look at that in just a minute. But the song said, this is not a problem. The Bible calls it sin. To rag on a rag is a crazy waste of time. The world is full of people who don't even have a dime. Are we going to judge people by the clothes they wear? Do Do we dismiss people by the way they look, by what they have, how much money they have, maybe their education? You can just expand that to whatever, where they work, if they work, their age. Do we dismiss people by labels that we might tag to them? If so, turn in your Bible with me. I want you to read this because there's nine verses. I want you to turn there and I want you to see what James said. Again, James is one of the most practical books in the Bible in terms of just Christian living. And in James chapter 2, James says this, My brethren... Do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. Put it another way, you can't be a Christian and show respect of people. You can't be a Christian. You can't hold the faith of Jesus Christ and treat people with with partiality. Showing favor to some and, and dismissing others. Why not? What else does he have to say about that? For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings and fine apparel, and there should also come a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, you sit here in a good place, and then say to the poor man, now you stand over there or sit here at my footstool. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he promised to those who love him. But you have dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into courts? Do you they not blaspheme the noble name by which you're called? If you really fulfill the, law, the royal law according to the scriptures, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as a transgressor. Can you imagine somebody coming into church and they come in dressed nice? Well, let's just ask ourselves, how, how do we treat these two people? You have somebody come in and they're dressed just nice. They look like they have been to church before. Suit and tie on and come rather collected. Their hair's in place and 
come in carrying their Bible and we want to run up to them and see who they are and where they're from and if they're visiting or if they're looking for a church home and, and we, we welcome them. Then let somebody come in and they have jeans and a t-shirt on, maybe holes in their jeans. They don't look as clean as the other man does. And they haven't shaved in a couple days and that's obvious. Are we afraid of them? Will we approach them with the same love and and, uh, enthusiasm that we approach the other man? Or will we show partiality? Will we offer our services to help this one man, but then the other guy is on his own? Because I don't know about him. He looks different. What's his tag say? You see, are we going to be that superficial as to judge a person by the clothing that they wear? As the song says, it's not a problem. It's sin. And that's exactly what James says. And James says, you know, the... This is so ridiculous in the first place. The very people that you're acquiescing toward and the one that you're giving deference to, those are the very ones who are hauling you into prison and who are blaspheming the name of God. And you're showing them preference over the poor? Or have you forgotten that God said, I've called the poor? What's your tag say? Folks, we need a Zacchaeus. We need somebody that doesn't look just so-so in our life. We need somebody to include in our circle of friendship that isn't maybe where we are socially or where we are intellectually. Maybe they're not where we are in terms of finances. But James says we need those people in our life. And if you shut them out, you sin in so doing. Here's something else that we need, and this is why we need a Zacchaeus in our life. A Zacchaeus teaches us compassion. Have you ever been somewhere and you just felt totally out of place? I've been in situations like that where you just, what do you do? And you just try to find some place where you can go off and stand and be by yourself, where you don't have to talk to people because you're just totally, totally in an element that is foreign to you. Have you ever been in one of those situations? You don't know what to do. You don't know what to say. You don't know how to act. We've probably all been there. And we can probably all remember circumstances because those are really uncomfortable situations. And we can probably recall very vividly how it made us feel. Well, folks, what if you were like that all the time? What if your whole life was a series of those awkward moments? What if you were someone who never could find your place in life and you were always in one of those situations where you just didn't feel like you belonged, you just didn't fit, you weren't what everybody else was? There are people who live their whole life like that. You may have a few isolated moments in your life where you felt uncomfortable and awkward because you just didn't quite fit in. But I'm telling you, there are a host of folks who go their whole life feeling just that way. And they never escape that. Does that not tug or should that not tug at our hearts? The Bible tells us at least 12 times where Jesus in the New Testament in the Gospel accounts looked at a situation or a person and and the text would say, and he was moved with compassion. Can we be moved with compassion for people who are on the fringe, who are different, 
You know, they're a fifth wheel. They're socially out of touch. They're mentally ill. Uh, they have some physical defect. Uh, they're just awkward. They, they don't speak well. And when they open their mouth, they say the wrong thing. Rather than being appalled by those people, have you ever been moved with compassion by those people? I think that was the response of Jesus. When we see those people who are just, they're a fifth wheel, they're social misfits, they're loners, maybe, maybe they're not just quite all there and all together. When you see those kind of people, let me ask you this question. Do you run to them or run from them? Let's be honest. Do you run to them or do you run from them? I don't need to tell you what Jesus did, right? You, you know that already, don't you? When Jesus saw those kind of people, he made his way to them. And he found time for them. You see, in the life of Jesus, those misfits... They were his mission. They weren't an annoyance to his schedule. They were the very ones for whom he came and to try to bring value to them. We need a Zacchaeus in our life. Who's your Zacchaeus? Who's the person who is a misfit? Who's the person that doesn't just quite fit in well? Who's the person who always finds themselves in an awkward situation? Folks, you need to be involved in the life of somebody like that. And then Zacchaeus reminds me of the value of a soul. Of course, I know that you know this, but in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 26, the Bible says, What shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? In the eyes of God, a man's soul is worth more than anything in the world. Now, we don't view it that way. We don't. People will, will take a life for $25. Um, they, they don't see the value of a soul. They see the value of material possessions and hosts of other things. But those people who don't fit in, that we often run from, are people who God loves. They are people for whom Jesus died. And you know, there was an example in first, or Romans chapter 15 on one occasion where Paul was talking about weaker brethren and so forth and some of the brothers demanding their rights and just running roughshod over these fellows that are weaker. And he just asked this question, do you really think it's right to demand your rights and destroy the faith of those who are weak in the faith for whom Christ died Listen, Jesus loved those people enough that he went to the cross for them. And I won't give up my right to eat meats in the context for that same brother. Jesus will die for them, but I won't pass up a meal for them. How wrong is that? Well, folks, that person, the outcast, the reject, the person who's a little bit different, God loves them. And they have value. In Luke chapter 15, verses 4 and and verse 7, well, if you have your Bible, turn there and listen to what Luke says or Jesus says here. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, 
If he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one who's lost until he finds it. You have 99 already, but you lose one. Well, you leave the 99 and you go after that one that's out there on its own, that's strayed. And then he says in verse 7, I say unto you that likewise there shall be joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Do you have that kind of love for those outcasts of society? Are you comfortable getting, you know, would you rather stay with the 99 or do you dare risk getting involved in the life of that person on the fringe? Do you keep them at arm's length and just stay in the pack where it's safe or do you get out of the pack and get involved in the life of another person? In the story of Zacchaeus, Jesus, in the midst of all this mob, as he's walking, this one man, and of course, here he is. He's not like everybody else. He's up a tree, of all things. This little short tax collector climbs a tree, and Jesus doesn't just walk by. But in fact, he goes to his house, and salvation comes to the house of Zacchaeus that day. Mark chapter 2 and verse 17 says, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Who's your Zacchaeus? Who's the person that needs someone to love them? Who's the person that needs to know that you value their soul and, and the other matters don't make a difference? The things that make them different and keep them on the outskirts of society. That doesn't matter to you. Who's that person in your life? When I was a kid, you know, and kids can be tough on other kids. I remember in sixth grade, there was a boy by the name of David Matchett. Of course, he had a funny last name, Matchett. You know, people used to make fun of him for that. He moved into my school in sixth grade. So we had, you know, six years of time together, and here's this new kid coming into the school. And he was this little scrawny, he was weird, just this little boy. I mean, he was skinny. You could, you could knock him over if you, you know, just barely pushed him. And, and he didn't like anything that the rest of us liked, and, and he was kind of backward. He had a high-pitched voice, and he just was just... You know, he's the kind of guy that's going to get picked on in school. But, you know, he would do things. He, would, he had this way. I mean, he could take a piece of paper and then just turn it into this, you know, like he made airplanes, I can remember. And, and not just, you know, the jets that we make, but he used scissors and cut out these bi-wing, you know, it's just like incredible. And, and people would come up and he'd make one of those put on his desk. They'd come up and just rip it apart and throw it on the ground there and just, just to be mean to them. Well, you know, and I'm not saying that I was always and I always had the right attitude because I I was in on that too. You know, I I wanted to be one of the guys. But, you know, certain things just kind of say, push it to the point where you say, you know, that's enough. And I had reached that point with the way people treated David. And I remember trying to befriend David and take up for him. 
you know, when the guy started getting on his case. And, you know, when I made a friend of him, I found out that he wasn't as weird as everybody thought he was. And that he had a lot of redeeming virtues. And you know what else he liked? He liked to talk about the Bible. And for a number of days, we would come and we would talk about sixth grade. You know, we were talking about the Bible together. And ever since, well, for the last, you know, since the Internet came into, I've tried to find David Matchett. It wasn't, he didn't even make it a semester and his family moved again and off he went. Probably had a hard life because they were in a position where they apparently moved frequently. And, he, and there's just inherent difficulties there. But I've tried to find that David Matchett's ever since then haven't been successful yet. There's a lot of them out there, but I've never found the right one. Because I just, I'm interested. I wonder how things turned out for him. wonder what he became. But guys like David Matchett, they need someone to put an arm around them and, and to make them understand that they have worth and they have value. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus took people who were the outcasts of society, who were on the fringes of society, who were the rejects of society, and he gave them value, and he gave meaning to their life, and he affirmed that they were worthwhile and that he loved them. Folks, who's your Zacchaeus? Who are you reaching out to right now that is on the fringe of society, and and you're letting them know you care about them? And that they are worthwhile and that God loves them? Or do we just stay in the pack and behave, keeping those people at, at arm's distance? And then also, you need a Zacchaeus because it gives you an opportunity to be like Jesus. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 29, the Bible says that it's the will of God that we be conformed to the image of his son. That's what God wants to do with us. He wants to conform us into the image of Jesus. Well, I know what Jesus was about. He tried to pull those people in, and he he threw his arms around those people. And if I'm to do what Jesus did, then I am to be interested in people on the fringe. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 25 says something I think is interesting. It says this, It is enough. You don't need any more. It is enough for a disciple to be like his teacher. That's what we ought to be striving for. Well, you're never going to better Jesus, but wouldn't it just be enough if we could just be like Jesus? That's what it means to be a disciple. The Bible tells us in Galatians 2 and verse 20, Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet. Not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm not living for myself anymore. I'm, I'm living for Jesus. In fact, if you have your Bible, or Bible, songbook, this isn't going to be on the slide up there. I want you to see something. Turn to page 429. I want to read the first two verses of this song that is entitled, Oh, to be like thee. The title of that is a longing. It's not expressing a command, I've got to be like him. 
It's a longing, oh, to be like thee. Listen to the words, just the first two verses. Oh, to be like thee, blessed Redeemer. This is my constant longing and prayer. Gladly, I'll forfeit all of earth's treasures, Jesus, my perfect likeness to wear. The longing to just be like Jesus. I'll, I'll forego everything this world has to give if I can just be like you. That's the sentiment of that first verse. The second verse, oh, to be like thee, full of compassion, loving, forgiving, tender, and kind, helping the helpless, cheering the fainting, seeking the wandering sinner to find. Do we have that longing? I mean, we sing it. Do we really have it? To be like Jesus? Would we forfeit everything this earth has to give so that we could just be like Jesus and search after and have compassion on those who are different and to give meaning to their life? That's what Jesus was about. And folks, that's what we need to be about. I don't know if I should do this or not, but I want to share this with you because I want to challenge you to do something this morning. You know, it's one thing to ask, who's your Zacchaeus? And we can all walk away from here and maybe do something, maybe not. These lessons aren't just intellectual lessons. They're not just, uh, you know, for uh, stimulating our thought process. These are things that I want you to put into practice and and I want to put into practice. Last week we talked about people we need. We need people. We need a Barnabas. We need someone to encourage us and to help us keep going. Folks, you need someone that's not just constantly tearing down. You need someone who will build you up and help you and be a strength to you, who can live the Christian life before you and show you how you should be doing it. You need to make someone like that in your circle of friendship. And you need to find someone who is on the fringe of society And you need to include them in your life. It'll teach you compassion. It'll help you to be like Jesus. For about three months, we had a young man coming to services here. I don't know if you noticed him. Maybe many of you did. He usually sat up in the balcony here. His name was Keith Abel. Uh, Keith got into some problems in his life with drugs, and he would tell you that. He lost everything. He lost his family and was eventually arrested and was here in Glasgow because of his situation. There was a house, a halfway house here that he could be a part of as opposed to going to jail. Well, Keith was trying. He had six months of sobriety, and he... um, Part of the the deal here was that you can live here, but you have to get a job. And uh, if you don't have a job, you go to jail. The economy is not good, as you know it. And Keith had trouble finding a job. And Keith is now uh, back in Murray, Kentucky, in jail. And he wrote and he said, you know, I'm going to take one day at a time. I have six months of sobriety. And he wanted to thank the church here for all the help and the kindness and the love that the people had 
uh, toward him while he was here those three months. And he said, I just have to repay my debts, and then my life is going to go on, and I'm going to take it one day at a time. How many of you knew Keith? How many of you spoke to him when he came? How many of you saw him maybe come to me or talk, you know, up front? I had to sign something saying where he was. Um, when, when he walked down the aisle and you saw him, did, did you dare reach out or were you a little afraid, uneasy, because he was a little bit, um, a little bit different? See, that's what I'm talking about. There are people in our own midst that need somebody to throw an arm around them and to say, you have value, and I care about you, and God loves you. And not only do you bring those people from the fringe of society and get them out of that always feeling awkward wherever they go, not only do you relieve them of that burden, but you become like Jesus. Shouldn't that be something we ought to be doing? Don't we need a Zacchaeus? Not only for their sake, they need you, but for our sake. What a difference those people can make in our life. What they can teach us about compassion and kindness. Well, it's, it's immeasurable. Folks, I want you to reach out to Keith. I'll give you some information, but... He's got a difficult road ahead of him. I want him to know that there are people here who love him and who value him in spite of the fact that he made mistakes and that he's now paying for them. Do you remember what Jesus said in Matthew 25 as they approached the judgment scene? And some of those who were rejected were rejected because when he was sick and in prison, no one visited him. Those who were accepted were those who visited, met the needs. And there's someone who can be a Zacchaeus for us. Maybe you know others. Maybe you work with some. Maybe you go to church with some. Maybe you have some in your family. Maybe it's a neighbor. You find somebody who's a reject, an outcast, someone on the fringe of society and you let them know you love them and that you want to be a part of their life and that they have value. And by doing that, you may make an eternal difference in their destiny. And I'll tell you what, you'll make an eternal difference in your own because remember, back to what we started with, James 2, you cannot hold the faith of Jesus Christ and show partiality. If you do... He says it's sin. It's not just a problem. It's not just being shallow. It is a sin. Folks, let's be the people of God that we ought to be. If you're not yet a child of God, why don't you obey the gospel this morning? Why don't you begin to to live your life for Jesus? He loves you. He values you. And someday he'll reward you. There's nothing greater than for a disciple than to be like his, his master, his Lord. If you haven't yet been baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins, why don't you do that this morning? We'll assist you in that. If you're a child of God already but unfaithful and you need the prayers of your brethren, uh, we'll pray with you if you'll come as we stand together and sing.